Well, you can email Eleanor at volunteer at CITR.ca or Halla at president at CITR.ca if you have any questions. And the full job description is on the CITR and Discorder website. If your friend thinks they can handle all this, then they should send a resume and cover letter to Halla Bertrand at president at CITR.ca by Friday, March 3rd. What is CITR's revenue? Hello, everyone. Yes, we're on now. We're on. We're on now. We're doing this now. Okay, groovy. Hello, everyone. This is the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Point Grey territory of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Mus Musqueam people. Um, sorry, did autopilot. Uh, and we are joined today. We have three interviews ahead today. Yeah, if you think that's a lot, I had to write these questions. So yeah, there you go. Um, and we're starting off here with um, the uh, two of the, uh, ins I wanted to say instigators, but I, that's not really the <laughs> word at hand. Uh, two of the personalities involved with the upcoming Brave New Playwrights, An Andre Summers and Fiona Reville. Make yourselves known to our audience. Hi. Hello. <laughs> and and uh, you guys are, are actually a quite long-running collaborative duo across a few different forms of media. And that's, yes. that, it's kind of interesting in that regard. What is your affiliation with Brave New? You want to go? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, well, I'm one of the associate producers on the festival uh, because I'm currently in the MFA. Uh, and that's where they, they solicit people to do that job from. Um, but also, uh, separate from that, I submitted a play to the festival that was accepted, um, and that play is Moxie, which Fiona is directing. Yeah. Now, I so when I first heard about this, I thought that the, the, the way this is spelled is interesting. It's the lowercase m and oxy is uppercase, and I thought, this is a play about OxyContin, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's about uh, oxygen on Mars being sort of uh, economized and kept from people and then delivered to people who can afford it. So it's um, essentially about uh, diminishing resources and taking that idea and placing it on Mars. Close enough. <laughs> Sorry to anyone listening with headphones. Uh, so yeah, so I, I was a little off there, but that's a, that's an in, that's a fascinating idea. Like, where does that come from exactly? Well, that was Andre's idea, so I'll let him talk about it. Well, it it comes sort of in two parts. One is the in the real current world, there's a lot of commodification uh, of things that. In some cases, people think, are there right? There's discussion now about, you know, Nestle tried to sort of buy and own a bunch of water. And people mm -hmm. are talking about, well, water is not something you can, Nestle can just own. Uh, but because corporations are becoming so large and so powerful, there's a lot of overreach now where corporations are 
are commodifying and trying to profiteer off of things that people you, that you would think that is immoral or strange to do. So I just kind of took that idea and took it into the near future and ran with it. It's like, what would a corporation be selling you, that you would think you wouldn't have to pay for? <laughs> Fair enough. It's like that, uh, well, that just reminds me of that Justin Timberlake movie, On Time. <laughs> Practically the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Andre, when he was writing this, was talking to me about sort of um, looking back at our own history, like the Hudson's Bay Company and other big corporations that were essentially coming into a new um, world, as they called it, and were um, taking things and just saying, like, this is ours, this is ours, this is ours. And it's a interesting idea, and it remains very prevalent today, I think. And and those same companies at that time, the, the HBC, they kind of operated as nations, you mm-hmm. know? Like, their employees were kind of like their citizens. They could decide the fates of people. Yeah. Um, which, again, in the near future, if a company goes to Mars... It will be a little bit like that, yeah. maybe. Oh, my stars, my Linda's gone to Mars. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the brighter way to look at it. You look at John anything through the lens of John Prine and things seem more manageable. But that that is a dark topic. Is this a, is this a dark play or is this more comedic um, or satirical? It's kind of a mix. We found some funny beats in it during rehearsal. But, um, yeah, I would say that it's, it's definitely a little darker. Um, but not all the plays in the festival are this dark. Some are very funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a the the program that Moxie is in. It's paired with four other plays, some of which are definitely lighter in tone. Mm-hmm. So the definitely. the festival itself is a good mix of kind of uh, subject matter and tone. That helps. Yeah. You know, it's a, and but this is far from your first collaboration. You guys have actually worked in television with Hench People yes. and in short film with In Summertime. Yes. So you guys have had this that, that goes back to about twenty twelve. So you guys have had at least half a decade of collaboration. What's I, that like? I working, think, going I think from, it goes back to two thousand and eight. No, earlier, two thousand and six. Yeah. 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 So it goes back quite a way. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing we did together was a was a play. Um, actually, at the Dorothy Somerset here at UBC, and that was like 2006. Yeah. That was ages. Yeah, yeah. So we've been we've been working together for almost as long as we have been friends, and we have been married for part of that time as well. Yes. Yes. So it started <laughs> it started with you know being friends, and then we worked together, and then we just kept going in that direction. Yeah. Fair enough. What is there sort of uh, something that remains constant throughout these collaborations? Or do they each change with uh, with the time or with the medium involved? Fun. The <laughs> Definitely fun. fun. Um, I think that, well, we, we try to trade off um, on ideas and that kind of thing, but I think that we tend to sort of inspire each other to come up with new things. But generally speaking, we always follow what we want to be doing. So if there's a particular idea that's really inspired one of us, we do that. Yeah. And Fiona got her writing degree here at UBC, too. And she's sometimes she'll write something that we'll end up creating sometimes it'll be something I wrote you know it's yeah. it's definitely um, a give and take and a sort of 50 50 partnership we we lift each other up right <laughs> sure yeah definitely. Right. best way to go about it <laughs> and I, I know you guys have done a lot as, as partners but you have some uh, other works that are sort of more 
in your individual spheres, and I kind of want to ask you both about that. Sure, yeah. Um, Fiona, you've done some work with, uh, I believe it's uh, the, the Aussie fellas. Um, yeah. Uh, what are they? The, the Witness Articles, the Witness Articles guys. Yes, yeah, they're great. Um, and, and they have a, a whole series that they are currently working on. They've done a bunch of previous work all together. They're longtime collaborators as well. And um, I met them in Australia through um, AFTERS, the Australian Film, Television, and Radio School. And they're just lovely. And they have a big uh, penchant and interest in sci-fi, horror, that kind of thing. And, yeah, they're really fun. Great guys. Do you think there's something we can learn from the Aussie scene, considering it's, you know, there's a lot of Australian expatriates in Vancouver? Oh, definitely. I think that Aussie filmmakers and um, particularly um, not just the artists, but also the technical guys are incredibly talented. Afters trains people up really well and they work all over the world and they're sought after. They have great yeah. attitude and they're just wonderful people. They put, they definitely, yeah. the, that film school and, um, the Australian government lift up a lot of their yeah, filmmakers. They put a lot of funding. They put funding yeah. into it. Yeah, and actually, Canada could the Canadian government could learn something from the Australian government because it's a whole different scene down under. Yeah, they definitely. gotta they gotta sort of well they got they gotta create they gotta make their own booze and they gotta yeah. make their own music and film. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But yeah, that's true. And they have a very strong, thriving um, film and TV community as a result. And we're seeing really great shows and movies coming out of there, and it's 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 amazing. Yeah. And a lot and, of that that a lot of the stuff, um, one of our professors from Afters, um, he sort of writes a lot and talks a lot about the idea that down there right now they're doing a lot with web series, mm-hmm. with you know investing a little into something that has a big audience because they'll, you know, yeah. the ABC and like the various companies down there will release things online, mm-hmm. and they're experimenting with like VR and doing crazy stuff that you're it's not a lot beautiful. of that is happening. Some of it's here. really profound. Yeah, that's interesting to me because like the web series is sort of kind of known right now like there was that time like around what 06 yeah right when when like the web series is posed to take over from film television everything and it's kind of seen right now by a lot of people as like this sort of tulip mania kind of situation Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. there's over speculation yeah do you think that sort of backlash is allowing the web series to sort of slowly come back I feel like um, it's sort of like an ebb and flow. I feel like the web series hasn't really hit its stride yet. I think that we're, we've yet to see that. Um, I think that there's going to be a point in time where it's just the industry as it stands right now is so bloated. It's this big behemoth that costs so much money to make and we're seeing diminishing returns um, that something like a web series that costs almost nothing to make um, is going to become a more viable option. Yeah. Jason Bloom and Mark Duplass are going to set the yeah. pace. Eh? Yeah, exactly. 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 And what we're really dealing with is also the disappearance of format. Yeah. You know, things. it's just becoming content. You know, you can tell a story in the visual medium of any length, really. You yeah. Know. Um, and theater is more constrained by people being willing to sit in a chair for only, a, only so long. Yeah. But, um, yeah, web series and, you know, just the fact that on Netflix a show can be released 12 episodes at once, those episodes vary wildly in length. Yeah. You don't have commercial breaks. Everything is kind of just becoming malleable. Yeah, and, and a new sort of golden era of radio is coming about through podcasts and things like that. Woohoo! Yeah, it's cool. It's yes, really cool. I have relevancy. <laughs> it relevancy, all, yes. It all comes can, back can, to can you. Can you guys talk to my parents about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's get them online. Yeah, let's, let's get them on here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and that's because that, that, that's very interesting to me because like you can do microbite and you can do it really well. Mm-hmm. Like I remember watching Green Room mm-hmm. a little bit ago. I'm like, this is it. 
tense. Yeah. And, it, it, like, that was made for, like, the lunch table. Absolutely. At, at, uh, at most movies. Yeah. Like, I, I, I kind of, I definitely respect that. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's an incredible thing. I think we're seeing a shift in that direction. Yeah, it's nice. Absolutely. Now, in terms of entirely different online media, Andre, you've written some articles for the Beaverton. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, I, I, I kind of combed through some of the more recent ones. I got to say the Anne of Green Gables VR <laughs> one. <laughs> that one got me. Um, the ones about Vancouver housing, it was laughter concealing real pain. But the, the Anne of Green Gables VR one, I'm, I'm thinking, we kind of got to do that now. <laughs> yeah, well, like I am sa- like I was saying a minute ago, VR is, you know, there's experimental interesting stuff happening. And if it comes to Canada, that's literally what will happen. <laughs> um, yeah, but it really, that article is actually Fiona's fault. Because the only reason I even know about Anne of Green Gables is because Fiona made me watch the old. I Anne did. I did. Yeah. And yeah. It's a piece of our culture, man. <laughs> that's right. I, I, I'm not kidding. No, I, I, I know. <laughs> now I know. We're you know. Canadians. We have to preserve what we can. Yeah. We need kids in the hall. I mean, come on, like, think about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're holding our own up here. I'm going to get all Canadian nationalists on this. <laughs> Good, do it. Got to get you know we got we got we got to cherish the kids in the hall and green cables <laughs> and we got to build a wall to keep those Americans out. Yeah, That's definitely. Right. definitely. No, they're, they're, not, they're not they're not sending their best, you know. <laughs> a maple yeah. leaf wall. Well, yeah. some some of them are good people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Basically, what you're doing right now is what the Beaverton does. Yeah. That's a compliment, right? Yeah. Is, okay. Yeah. But, sure. Why not? There's a reason the show doesn't have a comment section. Uh, <laughs> our, our podcast doesn't have a comment section. I, at one point, we were, I think, we and me and my co-host Ashley, when when she was uh, actually when she was hosting the show, we were thinking of. I thought, should we put a comment section in? And then she's like, Yeah, but no. <laughs> yeah, but actually. And I, and I thought about it. and I'm like, Yeah, yeah, that that would be a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. My self-esteem wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to probably take that. They're not nice. They're not no. nice. <laughs> There's a, yeah, if you're going to have a comment section, you need to make it so that people can sign up with their full name and address, which are visible at all times. Yes. I, and I vibe that. I think that would, I think that that would kind of, actually, I, I'd really like that. Just, you know, lure the trolls out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If you can. Actually, would, wouldn't really allow trolling. Yeah. Although I feel oh, like trolls would put, like, their mom's info in there or something and then just be like, you yeah. know, Martha so-and-so. Like, <laughs> what is trolling if not the, our worst base impulses encouraged by anonymity yep uh it's gift yeah <laughs> uh, content warning greater internet fuckwad theory right mm-hmm. you know, uh, d- yeah. uh, audience plus anonymity equals instant douchebag mm-hmm. when you say Definitely. content warning do you expect the people listening to just put their hands over their ears like, what does that do i don't know we have to do it like i legitimately don't know why this is I, i've said this before and i'll say it again this is the station that hosts nardwar mm-hmm. like this is this is the oldest club on ubc mm-hmm. we're not gonna get kicked out no, no, it's not. I don't think it's the oldest club at UBC, but we've been around for a lot. We've been around <laughs> se- since se- since every for, we've been around for every movement that has declared the death of radio, and we're still here. So I'm not. This guess, is your I'm, second rant in five minutes. I don't consider. <laughs> I got these stored up, you know. I gotta, you gotta go. I'm a radio host, you know. Eventually, I'll just have a, a talk show where I'm yelling at sock puppets or something. Info wars. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> I wanted to do a riff on the frogs gay one, but I couldn't think of that. <laughs> now, so you guys have experimented with a wide variety of media just to get back on the semblance of track, but that's right. kind of interested me as the breadth of these sort of uh, ventures. And I guess uh, if you had to make another shift, like a different form of media, how would you want to do it? Oh, um, well, I... Another way to tell a story. Yeah, well, I, I like to experiment with form. I've made... 
claymations. We just wrapped our first feature film. We work podcast. Um, obviously, Andre works on the website. Yeah, we've done web series and a little bit of TV stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the next venture so is. What's left? Music. Just like spoons. <laughs> music spoons, on yeah. spoons. Yeah, just exactly. I think that'll be it. The claymation idea sounds great. You do like a, a rock opera claymation with everything on spoons. Oh, man, that would take so long. That would oh, take care of that. Fiona made a claymation <sighs> in Australia that it's like two and a half minutes long, right? Yeah. Because she literally three, just made it all. Half, but, it's yeah. three and a half minutes long, yeah. but because she made it all herself, she was the entire crew. It took like months. Yeah, it took months and Forever. Months. Yeah. But rock opera is a good idea. There you go. <laughs> I'm saying see, this is a this is, this is the value of public radio. <laughs> no. But that's that, that's interesting because it's like it's sort of like the sky is the limit, mm-hmm. especially with the budgetary yeah. constraints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it with the time in Australia? Like, if you don't mind me asking, there's um, definitely some connections. It was very cool. I love Australia. It's like uh, my second home, definitely. Um, and it's it's sort of like a funky alternate Canada in a lot of ways, um, like just because yeah, Britishier Canada. Um, and you know, um, it's just they're a wonderful people. And again, because they have this funding and support from the government, and this infrastructure for art, it was just an incredible time. We put up a play while we were there, and it just was received so well. And I was like. Damn, yeah, we, we could were at like the, learn in Vancouver from this kind at the of Sydney culture. Fringe in 2015. Yeah, we yeah. did a, a play and it went really well. It, yeah. it won an award. We didn't find out about that until a year after yeah. we had left. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it won best fringe comedy uh, from the Sydney Arts Guide, and we didn't know. Yeah. But like, just, like that in, in and of itself, it kind of demonstrates this artistic culture where you can come in, you can say, I have this thing. You guys, are you interested? And if people are like, yes, then that's, you know, recognized and, and met, which is a lovely thing. And I think that in Vancouver, we could have more of that. We have the talented people here. We have people who want to see entertainment, I think. And I think that there's a way yeah. to foster that kind of culture. So I that's think, definitely something I, I, think, I think we could I, learn from. I feel like Vancouver has a little bit of that like Hollywood North thing. Where there's in compare in comparison to Sydney, where there's also Fox Studios is there, yeah. and you know yeah. there's studios making films there. Oh, it's yeah. like it's the, still a little bit less political. You know, there's more they concentrate a little more on the the work. The work I yeah. found. Well, one yeah. of one of my favorite films of last year was Better Watch Out. Yeah, and that was made in Australia. Yeah, had no idea. I thought it was made in Vancouver. Yeah, there was snow. Yeah, yeah. But uh, like the the thing I figure about Vancouver is that we're a bottom heavy town entertainment mm. wise. We have a lot of talent. We have no money. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that is uh, is very unfortunate to me yeah. because it's it's a uh, get back to the Canadian nationalist rant. It's sort of this. <laughs> it, it, there is a dependence on the American uh, yes. market, and I yes. think that is uh, kind of a problem. It's a yeah. huge problem, that, and I, I, it's a problem. Sorry, that goes back like decades and decades. America just took over everybody's film contracts and distribution contracts. So. And we've never really recovered because we're their neighbor. So. Well, the last thing they gave us symmetrically was the draft dodgers. So, <laughs> yeah, and well, and that what Fiona's well, talking about, about it that. happened during and right after World War II, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So that war, in that war, they gained. Yeah, and it started. Europe lost something. It started gained. even earlier, and then it, it was yeah. really solidified post World War II, yeah. and we've just never recovered. And the government, I think, could really step up to give artists more funding, give the community more funding. And we're so far away from uh, where all the government activity is on the other side of the country that we tend to just kind of be left to our own devices. But it would be really great to have more funding for the arts. Um, constant well, refrain. <laughs> well, you know, I. For maybe asking our audience to sway policy is a little grave, but if they can help <laughs> tip in right now, where and when can we see your show? 
Oh, yeah, you go. Yeah, so the festival itself begins with a staged reading series on the 11th of March. Um, so that's just uh, people reading through a selection of scripts. The full productions, of which there are two separate programs, don't begin until March 15th, which is a Thursday. So they, you can go to bravenew.ca to check out the details on that and to get tickets. But yeah, the two, production, the two programs have five plays in them each, and they're separate. Mm -hmm. So if you go on a certain night, you'll see one program. If you go on another night, you'll see a different program. And they run from the 15th to the 18th. Yeah. So. All right. Terrific. Yeah. Andre, Fiona, it was terrific to have you, and we're looking forward to seeing Brave New. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having us. All right. It's a pleasure. Uh, just a brief word from our sponsor with the censored tapes title and then a little bit of an SFS ad uh, from a couple years ago. And uh, we'll be back on with Megan Fass and Ellen uh, uh, Tahir from the Eternal Theatre Collective's production of Seven Minutes in Heaven. Remembered all those things without much of a hitch. That's pretty good for me. <laughs> Born out of an initiative to give more voice to local women artists and musicians, Mixtapes is a Vancouver-based biannual mixtape featuring women-identified musicians and sound artists from the Pacific Northwest. The spring 2018 edition will be coming out on May 10th, with all proceeds going to the Downtown Eastside Women's Shelter. Women-identified artists are invited to send their submissions to btchtapes at gmail.com. The release fundraiser will be held on May 10th at the Redgate Review Stage, featuring artists selected for this edition of the cassette. I like Star Trek. Yeah, yeah cool. cool. Awesome. I love The Lord of the Rings. Great. Great yeah. I'm into obscure 1950s atomic monster movies. Uh, okay. Sure. I really enjoyed the Michael Bay Ninja Turtles. We can work with that. Here at the UBC Sci-Fi and Fantasy Society, we accept everyone. We have weekly movies, game nights, and the largest non-academic library at UBC. Come by our club room, 3206D in the Nest. It's a great place to eat lunch, hang out, and procrastinate. Check out our Facebook group, UBC Sci-Fi and Fantasy Society, to find out what's going on. Yeah, you don't 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 worry about it. And we are back on the air. Yes, um, smooth as maybe the backside. Okay, and uh, I am joined in the studio by another lovely duo. That is Megan Fass and Elaine Tahir. Right? Was correct pronunciation and everything? Yeah, 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 yeah. you got it. Very awesome. Good. Great to be here. Thank you. And uh, now, Megan, we, we know each other from MTT and yes. players. And Ellen, we, we've never met, but you're in the BFA, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. First year. All right, so, so we know a lot of the same people. Hmm. Yep, oh. uh, UBC theater circles all blend together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's sort of incestuous. Well, it, it, like, it all goes back to Matthew Rhodes. That's what we can, that's what we can learn at this oy, point. We can play six degrees of Matthew Rhodes and it would probably work. <laughs> no, no comment. <laughs> but you guys are actually working on a production that is outside of UBC? Yes, that's yep. right. And that is the Eternal Theater uh, Collective. It's a hell of a name, isn't it? Right? A uh, production of Seven Minutes in Heaven. Yeah. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What's the pitch? Uh, the pitch, the pitch. It is a Friday night in 1995, and six very understimulated and bored teenagers are gathered in Margot's basement for a party. Group suicide? 
Oh, okay. No, it's it's a party uh, for her boyfriend from Cleveland who has not yet arrived, um, and shenanigans ensue as all '90s teen movies. Yeah, it's the 90s. Someone brings heroin, you know. I hate it when that happens. Well, not quite heroin. There is uh, there's there's, some secret drinking. There's, now, def- you know? there's definitely stuff that has arrived at the party that isn't supposed to be at the party. Mm-hmm. No secret heroin, though. Sorry, Jake. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, is, is, it, is it the heads in the duffel bag? I hate it when that happens, too. You know, I'm just going to say it, no it spoilers. Just might be. <laughs> I, just I was, might I was be. having a nanny the other day, and somebody, you know, it, 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 and then there was juggling. But that's that's an interesting concept to me because this was written by Stephen Levinson. Right? Yes, yeah. same guy who wrote Dear Evan Hansen. You ever find yourself singing Waving Through a Window? Um, you know, somehow we have not had that happen yet in the rehearsal room. Alain, do not get any ideas. All right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great, that's a great song. It yeah. is a good song. It Definitely. is a good song. One interesting thing about the advertising is that the cast is the age of their characters. Yes. And I was wondering if you could unpack that a little bit. Was that deliberate? Was that... Uh, Part of, is that is that specified in the show? Or? Um, well, part of it is that Eternal Theater Collective is an exclusively uh, youth uh, theater company. All of the ten productions that have been done so far um, have been con- uh, completely produced and performed by youth um, ages thirteen to twenty five. So um, everyone on the production team is also under 25. Um, and so it makes sense, given that age range for the company, that we cast um, very close to the ages of the characters. Yeah. No, everybody in the, in the cast is 16, 15, except for two of us who are um, now 18, Shelby and I. So, yeah, very young. I've never been one of the older people in the group. It's the first time. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> It's exciting. It is, yeah. It's exciting. I know the feeling. <laughs> well, I, I look like I'm 35 and divorced. So. <laughs> like it's, oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I remember whenever if, whenever I was younger and I wanted to get served, I'd just take out my phone and start looking longingly at pictures of middle-aged women. <laughs> start arriving without even asking. Oh, does that work? <laughs> Amazing. It works if you're me and, you, and you're, your hair starts thinning and you wear a lot of, like, collared, short-sleeved shirts. Hey, it's a good luck. It's a good luck. I used to wear pleated slacks. I don't anymore. Amazing. Um, I, I, I don't anymore because uh, because because they're pleated slacks. <laughs> that one. Uh, like, the, the last person who made those work was Arsenio Hall, and he doesn't have a show anymore, so I do the math. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Is he dead? No, no. no. Just uh, being a millennial. Don't mind me. No, I, I thought for, I thought for a second like if he is like because it's weird like when when they die like if he was one of the victims of 2016 and he just got like passed by on the ground. <laughs> I remember. No, I have no idea if he's dead or not. I, I stopped listening to my news feed for a point in 2017 and I tuned back in. And I'm like, oh wait, someone's died again, haven't they? Oh gosh, oh, that's a mood. Actually, no, no. 2016 it was everyone died. In 2017 it was everyone's a terrible person. That's it. That's mm-hmm. the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the benefit of it. There are definitely some moments um, in the show. um, When this was written, obviously, um, a lot of the stuff that's happened in the last couple of years hadn't happened yet. But when we did the initial read-through, there are some moments that, even in the show set in the 90s, written in the early 2000s, hit uh, really, really surprisingly close to home. So... Um, come to the show and get punched in the gut a little bit. Um, a little bit of that she yeah. kills monsters sort of thing going on? Um, a little bit, a little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously no D&D. Um, well, not obviously. There are games, just not D&D. There is Candyland. There is Candyland. <laughs> um, but definitely it's surprisingly relevant. 
yeah. the uh, experience, like because this is about the point sort of where the party turns dark, as my tasteless jokes before might have spotlighted a little bit. Is that does that ring true experientially at all? To is is that something that's sort of in, uh, brought to light here? The party turns dark. Um, I mean, I would say so. Like, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, everybody's got a bit of a secret, and it sort of starts to get revealed throughout the play, and definitely there's, it takes a shift, like it starts mm-hmm. off super happy and, you know, maybe doesn't end on the same note. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a moment that me and Allison, our director, have sort of pinpointed as the moment where um, everything sort of changes, mm-hmm. um, but the whole show takes place over the course of just a few hours, so it's, um, it's really startling. It's really cool. It's really wonderful to watch the actors bring it to life. Um, but it's, yeah, it definitely sort of hits you when it, it turns dark. Yeah, pretty drastically. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's moments of serious pathos, I gather. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is it akin to Dear Evan Hansen in that those moments are sort of presented with this um, uh, really, like, is it a similar sort of turn of phrase, I guess? Because there's some, a lot of the lyrics in Dear Evan Hansen in particular kind of really stick in your head. Yeah, um... I think it's I think it's a little bit different um, with Dear Evan Hansen. Obviously, um, there's a higher level of collaboration in the when it was being written. Um, so some of those lyrical moments definitely belong to Pasek and Paul as opposed to Stephen Levinson. Um, but he definitely has a way with words. Um, Ellen, um, I'm sure you know with the words coming out of your mouth. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> um, it definitely it definitely um, hits you in a very similar way. Can you give us a little sampler? A little sampler, like something from the play? Sure. Oh, boy. This is uh, the perfect moment for me to completely blank and not remember any of Oh, it. no. Do you, um, um, do you know any good? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, should I do the, the beef eaters? Yes, yeah. please do the beef eaters. So um, there's uh, there's the, the part about the alcohol, you know, when the when somebody brings a bottle. Um, and everyone's 14, 15. Yeah, my favorite, uh, my favorite line from the show that I say is... Um, well, you know, beef eaters is one of the best alcohols that there is. So, it's such it's, it's such um, a fourteen year old thing absolutely. to say. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. You know, not correct, but it sounds you know. <laughs> so, so they bring gin, or it's yes, like, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah I, I uh, drank a lot of beef eater in first year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, and you're actually, gonna love this play. It's, it's, oh. it's uh, it's not bad for your money, honestly. But uh, like, yeah, you know, you know. I, yeah, Tanqueray and Bombay Sapphire also exist. Just around that range. Just just don't tell the characters that. Yeah. I they didn't... get into enough trouble just with the beef eaters. Uh, <laughs> well, it's like, um, you know, the, the first time you know, I, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine earlier, and we were talking about, you know, when you're a teenager, like, your tolerance for alcohol, like, it's, it's like, it's, uh, is, is so great because, you know, like, when you're, younger you 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 drink until you get sick usually and i I never did that originally like my introduction alcohol was a lot smoother but the usual introduction to it is like you you drink like you have like nearly half a bottle of jack or something and then you just throw up uh and (laughs) then you're like you're like like while you're drinking you're like this is awesome i'm gonna do this all the time when you're drinking like never again and hopefully you accomplish moderation gee Um, wonder if that sounds like Hunter at all. Alan plays a character named Hunter who makes poor decisions. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, it Hunter sounds like Thompson. me and Hunter. <laughs> like, it sounds just... Oh, boy. 
Like, considering the only other hunter I know is Thompson, I think there's a certain way for those decisions to go. Fair enough, fair stuff. enough. Yeah. His, his daily routine was kind of exaggerated, but, you know, probably a little bit true to it. Look it up. There's a Joe Rogan did a thing about it a few years ago, and it was, yeah. We'll definitely look for it. Yeah. And I, I got to say, like, in, in the show, there's about, it's a six-person cast, right? Yes, it's mm-hmm. a six-person and everyone is on stage about the same amount of time. So are the characters all about as big as each other, or is it certainly a play about one given character? Um, well, I would say I'd say the way that we're doing it, it's definitely a lot more equal. Um, I think when you first look at the script, it seems like some of them have a little bit more depth, but um, the way that our director and stage manager have put it, um, all of the characters are as important as each other, and they all have just as much depth and importance and um, yeah, they're all worthwhile characters, and that's um, I, that's one of my favorite parts about it is that there's no surface characters, you know. All right, awesome. So they also they all sort of have their own arc in the yeah, in absolutely, the show. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so it's like basically a six-person ensemble show. Yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah. It doesn't look like it on paper, but it absolutely is. Mm-hmm. Nice. And for Eternal Theater, I, I guess. Um, how many productions do they put on? Like, what's the scale of their operation? Um, so Eternal Theater's been around, uh, been doing productions since 2015. Uh, there have been, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, 10 shows that they've produced so far, um, a couple of cabarets, several plays that have been um, about this size or smaller, and then their big outing uh, was with their first musical, 13, over the summer. Um, Thir- wait a second. I, I think I saw that. Um, there were two 13s. Did you see the one at the review stage? or The review stage, or what was the other one? I don't know where the, the other one was. The waterfront? Or? I think so. I saw that one. Okay. So, yeah, they did a slightly smaller production because, again, um, it's all youth. We don't have all of the resources that some of some other companies um, have. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't really involved with that production, um, but... Um, I did pop in to a couple of rehearsals, and it was a blast. Um, so things are kind of small, but we're doing a lot with the resources that we have, which is very exciting. Um, being on the production end of things, I get to see how it's made. How it's made. Um, <laughs> um, is it like sausages? No, no it's no. not like sausages. It's okay. not like McDonald's hamburgers. Um, it's it's really fascinating, and it's really cool to see our design team do so much um, with um, on what should be on like such a small scale. Yeah, is that is that sort of part of the ethos of it? You know, shoestring budget. Because we were talking about that in our actually our last interview mm-hmm. was sort of these. Uh, endeavors, especially now, because everything's the scale of a lot of productions mm-hmm. is going down, not only in theater, but in, uh, well, the web series is making a mm-hmm. comeback, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, with that, I mean, is that sort of a mission statement for Eternal Um Or is it more of a necessity? It's because... not necessarily a mission statement. Definitely the company is growing. Um, it's We're a nonprofit, um, and the mission is to give young people hands-on and pro- um, especially paid experience in theater. Um, being paid is something that doesn't always happen in community theater. Um, and it's not always something that happens in theater in general. Yeah, <laughs> so um, it's it's important uh, for us, for people to get experience where they're um, ver- being very clearly valued. Um, and that's something that Laura, the board president, um, has made pretty clear to me, and it's 
pretty admirable. But um, so I think a lot of things play into that. Um, maybe our props budget isn't as big, but everybody walks out of here not only with experience, not only with a great experience, but with a little bit of cash in their pocket. You've got heart. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> uh, is that? I guess the question to ask after that, Vancouver's have got a big scene, mm-hmm. and there's some, well, there's, we were discussing this earlier on the show, but I, I guess a question asked there is, is there, like, a problem with exploitation there of, of like, volunteer, of, of youth um, effort? You know, I don't think, I don't think either of us can really speak to that. Um, like, um, I came up here for university, you're not originally from here either, yeah, so. Yeah, six months. So. Where from? Uh, Do you want to go first? Texas. Saskatchewan. So same place, different countries. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Alberta's the Texas of Canada. Uh, yeah. It all, it's, it gets, it sounds pretty similar from what Ellen has told me. Yeah. Saskatoon's kind of the Austin, I think. Okay, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. I'll I, buy I it, I'll yeah. buy it. Yeah, you're from, you're from Austin? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm from Austin, Saskatchewan. So it's Saskatoon pretty much. Oh, sorry, okay. Yeah, no worries, <laughs> no worries. Like cross wires for a second. <laughs> And, and totally get Texas, it. Sorry? Uh, Dallas. Ah, I've seen the show. Is I want to say it's not representative, but um, their big ranch was filmed probably forty minutes from my house, so wow. pretty Congrats. representative. <laughs> any, any middle-aged men get shot near you? You know, not mm-hmm. not in my recent memory. No. Uh, somebody um, told me I look like Larry Hagman once. Uh, I'm, I'm really not sure how to take that, mostly because it's not accurate, <laughs> but uh, being what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, is it, I, I guess, we're, all three of us are transplants to Vancouver. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of Vancouver is transplants, actually. We were, yeah. Earlier on, not to keep calling back, but we were talking about no the worries. Aussie transplants. Do you ever, do you find sort of in, certainly in uh, shows, but just in general, sort of gravitating to other transplants? You see people, you find other people from home? Um, You know... Not not so much with this production. Um, m- there are qu- some people, some other people on the team who are not originally from Vancouver, but there it's a pretty solid 50-50 split between people who are from the Lower Mainland and people who are not. Mm-hmm. So I guess theater just brings everybody together. Yeah. Okay. Well, in that light, where can we see the show? Where and when? Let us know again. All right. So oh, the show... The I didn't even in- intend it. Screw it. <laughs> Congrats. Um, so the show is going to be at Studio 16, and the address is uh, 1555 West 7th Avenue, so on Granville and 7th. Um, youth tickets are $13, so that's anybody, at, is it 25 and under? Or under 25 20? and under, so yeah. 25 and under, and then uh, $20 for uh, anybody 26 and over. We will be running from March 7th to the 10th at 7.30 p.m. on all show days. All right, sounds great. It was great to have you. Thank Wonderful to be here. Thank you, Jake. Cheers. Now, uh, we're going to have a couple quick PSAs, and uh, we'll be right back with a review of The Past, which I saw recently, and some shout-outs and some other programming. I got, I got to cue the PSA. Sorry, a little, little bit of a computer. The computer's got the best of me. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> 
There's only one way that old clunker is going to make you feel good again. Donate it to Bullying Canada. Check this out. Free towing or pickup of your old vehicle. A tax-deductible receipt. And a super easy process. Online at bullyingcanada.ca. Get rid of that old vehicle and feel good about supporting real solutions for change in your community. Donate your old or used vehicle to Bullying Canada today. Full details online at bullyingcanada.ca. Are you looking for a volunteer opportunity that fits your schedule? Being a big sister takes less time than you think, and you can choose the volunteer opportunity that fits your life. Spend just one hour a week as a study buddy, tutor, or two hours a week as a big sister. Check out the various mentoring programs at Big Sisters of BC Lower Mainland and find a volunteer position and a little sister that will suit you to a T. Visit bigsisters.bc.ca for more information today. And we're back. That was a little bit of uh, Digital Rain by uh, Johnny Jewell uh, because our PSAs were unexpectedly short. Um, and, uh, okay, so the past. Um, the past, I got to say right now, is a very interesting uh, play. It was, it was an, And it was an interesting play because, among other things, it was, it, at least as far as I can tell, a true play because... Addiction is an ugly thing. Addiction is a dangerous thing, and it, it destroys people's lives. And the thing about Arthur Holden, when he interviewed us, pointed out that there was this uh, definite undercurrent, well, not overcurrent, it's, it's explicit text, of coping with the, with, uh, within the play. And, well, it's how addiction works. And I do want to say that the thing that past reminded me the most of is The Days of Wine and Roses by Blake Edwards. Now, before I do this review, I do want to say this. Um, 
uh, if the if you can't make it out to see the past for whatever reason, and I highly, highly recommend that you do, um, I I would recommend that you check out Days of Wine and Roses, which is a, a film by Blake Edwards that stars Jack Lemmon and Lee Remick. Um, and uh, Lee Remick was an actor who uh, never really she never really made it. Uh, Jack Lemon is, is, you should probably know who he is. Blake Edwards, who directed it, directed The Pink Panther, among other things. And it is a harrowing film. Uh, it's not, it's not, uh, ugly in a physical sense, although it certainly does, uh, especially to modern sensibilities, because it's, well, it's, uh, it's kind of restricted by that fact. But, uh, it is... A play where you see the sort of psychological destruction that comes with alcoholism. And you see two people basically rip their lives apart because of that. And you see this, and they cost each other these, uh, basically their, their sanity and their health. The past does not tackle this the same way because the past is a, is a play made regarding the, uh, these events. During the production of Days and Wine and Roses, it's worth noting that both Blake Edwards and Jack Lemmon... Oh, excuse me, microphone's giving me a little bit of trouble right here. Let me just sort that out. Both Blake Edwards and Jack Lemmon got sober. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Technology, please obey me. Technology's kind of... You see, this is why I'm not worried about Skynet ever taking over, because they'd have to deal with the tech this way, and, you know, just they, they just wouldn't get anywhere. They wouldn't be able to build Terminators... Uh, there we are. There we are. Yeah. No danger from the microphones of the world. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've abused the microphone enough that it might rebel. Who knows? Where was I at? Oh, yeah. The past, Days of Wine and Roses. Yeah. Um, and the stories about alcoholism are rife in because in, it is a thing people confront, and it's a thing where people go to very dark places. In the past, there are three characters. As in, in Days of Wine and Roses, there are really only three characters you need to know there. Well, there are two. And in this, there are also two main characters and a third subsidiary character. There is Ray, played by Bill Croft, and Lynn, played by Cindy Peterson. Uh, both of these, both of them are veterans of sort of the Vancouver scene, um, and both of them tender some pretty excellent performances here. Uh, Ray and Lynn meet because they are both early to an AA meeting, uh, held by the third character, which is Rose, played by Brienne Granger, who is a younger woman who is the... Uh, uh, she, she's the counselor, basically, for a woman's shelter, and she's also sober. And there is a recurring theme with a thermos that she uh, promised to only drink something, nothing, to drink nothing stronger than um, not sweet tea, iced tea from. Uh, and yes, that comes around. Uh, and this play was written. Uh, it is written one uh, as of it's it's very dialogue heavy, as most plays are, because you know such is the such as the truth of the medium. But the advantage of this play, as opposed to, say, um, a film like Days of Wine and Roses, is that you are in a closed... It's, it's a very... This is a distinct feeling of a closed circuit. And as the play goes on, you see these characters develop within these strictures because these strictures are imposed by the fact that this part of their life, which is detrimental, is something that they're trying to surmount. And the success of that is debatable. 
uh, to say that I'll leave it at that. I don't want to spoil this, and I don't want to dwell too much on it. But uh, this play is very good. Uh, there's if you like Mansfield Park, <laughs> if you're one of the people like me who saw Metropolitan, was like, hmm, we could could really stand to see Mansfield Park. Check it out. Uh, it will be. It is running uh, February until well, it's it's running till March third, which is a couple days from now. Um, at uh, <clears throat> excuse me, courtesy of Speed Bump Theater. Sorry, I, you ever you ever notice I kind of kind of get a little uh, bloody hell. It's on Granville Island. Check it out. It was it's a fantastic play, and I highly. I highly recommend seeing it. We're going to have another quick PSA break because that last PSA break was bizarrely short. Um, and we will return to you momentarily. I was a prisoner. I was a prisoner. I was a prisoner. I was a prisoner of cocaine. cocaine addiction. Cocaine took my drink. My drink. It made me lie. lie. Steal. Cocaine took my will, my soul. And all I wanted was more cocaine. More cocaine. Cocaine Anonymous gave me freedom and saved my life. If you got a problem with cocaine, pick up the phone. We're here to help. Contact Cocaine Anonymous toll-free by calling 866-662-8300 or find them online at ca-bc.ca. Hate it when zombies are approaching the door, right? Hey, hey, Jake, you're there. Yes, I am there. I am. So I'm sorry about that. Like I said, tech, uh, technology is rebelling. Like this is this is the thing that bothers me about that. You know, this microphone someday will try to rebel, and I will fight back. Good for you, Jake. We feel <laughs> the exact same way. Can you introduce yourselves to our audience? Because we were just talking under the PSA about Cocaine Anonymous, which, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a gear Here's shift. Um, yes, uh, my name's Tom. My name's Devin. Uh, we are HipBang, and uh, a nice segue to what we're about is that uh, we're doing a show all about surveillance and modern technology and the ways that it invades your life. But it's a comedy show. Well, I can, I can imagine that's, uh, you can mine that for a lot of comedy. Like, I remember right when, right when you know, Snowy was still in the States, I remember a lot of, uh, a lot of a lot of jokes about the NSA being like I remember during Halloween once the DJ introduced somebody's watching me from our good friends at the NSA, <laughs> and and then because that that was like and then there was like a drop in like <laughs> as you do when you got Michael Jackson's vocals on a song. Now you guys are sort of comedy veterans in the Vancouver scene. You guys came out of theater sports. Let us know what you're about. Like you, cause you guys have had a few things I've seen. You, I saw you guys in fringe this past year with Finn. Um, and yeah. Um, yeah. That's nice of you to say that we're veterans. Um, we are grizzled, desperate veterans. Um, this is our favorite time of year. Just relax. is such an amazing festival. And um, it's always exciting to debut new work. Uh, so this is, uh, yeah, we're really excited for Friday, uh, where we're doing, uh, this brand new show with our friends from Winnipeg. But to your point, uh, yeah, we actually originally came from UBC. We we met at UBC Improv and toured as an improv group around the world for many years and then got more focused on writing stuff. And uh, now we actually work mostly in written stage comedy and also like film and TV projects of various kinds. Which are kind of so I've seen your website has a trailer for Oddland, which uh, lives up to its name. Let's say 
<laughs> can you can you tell us a little about like some of these other projects that you might have? Like if if uh, we're looking to inquire into you. Yeah, well, Oddland is currently being shopped around to different networks, so it's we're trying to sell it as a TV show right now. So we've done a lot more work on that project that you just can't see any of, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but we are also, uh, yes, yeah, currently shopping a bunch of other uh, sort of more short-form projects as well as longer-form stuff. We have a really exciting uh, mini-project called Grants that we're going to be releasing uh, soon, which is all about the... Uh, it's basically an understanding of our actual experience writing grant applications for different uh, arts funding bodies. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to be uh, releasing a project that's all these different people uh, trying to apply to wildly imaginative grants. You like, like to go like to a sort of surreal place with it. Because like, I, I remember like watching Finn which is kind of reminiscent to me of, well, at least in concept, the, the Fish People tapes, the Alexei Sale sort of thing. Like, there's a definite sort of surrealist element to your comedy. Yeah, we like to get we like to get weird, um, but also keep it sincere. Uh, so you're not just, like, totally off in a random world, but there's an emotional underpinning to the, the work we do. Um, this show we're doing on Friday definitely gets into that territory. Um, we're running almost all the cues through a Google Home on stage, um, there's a lot of filming the audience. Everyone that comes to the show will be expected to sign a disclaimer that we're allowed to use their likeness in the show. Um, so really trying to like explore the boundaries between comedy and um, the very crazy world of privacy and uh, online surveillance. Um, yeah. We've also been experimenting with some pretty wild artificial intelligence technologies. I think Devin is going to share one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've been working with this uh, program called Lyrebird Online, and uh, what that does is it takes your, your voice and kind of creates an AI learning uh, uh, model of your voice so that you can type in anything you want, and then it'll say it uh, in your voice. So, um, Are you using it right now? A certain comedy group. <laughs> Did you hear that, Jake? He's using it right now, isn't he? I know he's been. I know he's sounded vocal. <laughs> no, I, I didn't quite catch that. Groundbreaking theater and comedy. <laughs> did, did, did that resonate through the uh, uh, waves for you? Yes, the, the Devontron's message has been recorded. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's kind of the world we're in, and it's uh, it's been amazing to work on, but it's also been a real mind, mind bender for. Uh, just us personally and emotionally, but also certainly physically, the the technology is really crazy. Um, so we're constantly at the edge of our <laughs> our wit, at the very least. What pushing yourself to the edge of your wit, sort of taking on these I, topical may not be the right word because surveillance has been relevant for a while, but certainly very emotive topics. Do you think that creates the the best the better comedy for you? Yeah, that's what we were excited about for sure. Um, I mean, it was like let's write what we're excited about or, or most um, worried about, I guess you could say. Um, this, this all started from when we found out that our phones were listening to us when they were switched to off. So the, any sort of smart device with a microphone is actually constantly listening to you, picking up hot keywords so that it can tailor advertising to you. Yeah, a, a particularly disturbing example of this was that literally the first day we ever talked about doing this show and just sort of loosely about surveillance and online devices and what is like what does a Google Home even do? 
uh, like an hour after that meeting, I got home and saw a bunch of ads for Google Home on my various devices. It was very alarming. That's um, meta. <laughs> yeah, and we actually uh, tested this, Jake. So one of our meetings, we uh, we just continuously said the word diaper into my phone. We need diapers. We need to buy diapers. Got a baby that is really needs a lot of diapers. And uh, within an hour and a half, we had advertisements on my Facebook for, I don't think I'm allowed to say what the product oh, is. Yeah. Oh, am I on CFR? I think so. Yes. We yeah. were Content warning for whatever. Go ahead. Yeah. We were advertised a, a product called Shittins, which is a mitten. Uh, that's like a toilet paper mitten that you use to wipe your baby's ass. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no question that was directly related to us saying the word diaper over and over into our phone. Yeah. When neither of us have children, neither of us are planning to have children anytime soon. So those those conversations are not happening naturally in our environment. That's insidious. Eh? That's uh, that's that's a concerning thing. But that's kind of, <laughs> that, there's kind of an inherent that that's honestly I can see that being kind of hilarious. When can we check this out specifically? And well, where? you know what? Why don't we let Liarbird tell you? Yes, please do. At home on Friday, March 2nd, as part of JFL Northwest, 7.30 p.m. at the Improv Center on Randall Island. <laughs> Just to uh, translate, if you couldn't hear that, it was uh, this Friday at 7.30 at the Improv Center, uh, where Theater Sports is. They're uh, kind enough to present us uh, as part of Just for Last Northwest, 7.30 Friday, with our special guest, Hunks. And then we're back with an improv show, a completely improvised show on uh, Tuesday, March 6th, also at 7.30, also at Theater Sports, uh, with amazing guests, Nasty Women, and Theater Sports. All right. Sounds awesome. I'll have to check it out. I do always try to ask comedian guests, because I kind of have a bit of an obsession with them, if they're, if they if there's an influence of kids in the hall. Because, you know, well, I mentioned earlier, there's probably a Canadian nationalist streak in me. But they do have a sort of similar surrealness to their comedy, yet take in any of that I, I think there's no question that kids in the hall monty python any sort of groundbreaking comedy saturday night live has definitely influenced tom and i uh over the years and as as younger adults and and as teenagers i think that those inspirations have certainly changed quite a bit now that we're much more active in the comedy scene and i personally look much more to my my peers as inspiration these days but, uh, yeah, I mean, Kids in the Hall were, were groundbreaking for sure. Um, it's always interesting to watch their material now, though, and really really question whether it, it does stand up. And I'd say some of it does and some of it doesn't. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, there's definitely a hit and miss to it. All right. Yeah. 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 Well said, Devin. <laughs> That's terrific to hear from you guys. Sorry about the technical difficulties. I assure you, I'm the, I'm the one who looks like the goof. Hey, no, this is what our show is all about. And, Jake, we just want to say... We love Sitter. <laughs> I was supposed to say we love CITR, but, hey, that's technology for you. <laughs> Wait, it, it, does sounds like, it does sound like the you love shittens, which kind of brings that one back around. Oh, my God, the, the advertising's infiltrated the program. <laughs> we need to go Walden on this before it gets too insane. Okay, okay, easy, easy, Jake. Easy, Jake. You're stuck in a booth for an hour. You're starting to get stir crazy. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll check out your show and uh, keep on keeping on. Hey, thanks. You too, Jake. Cheers. Cheers. 
Right, that was Hip Bang, noted Vancouver comedy impresarios. And uh, just, to, just to wrap up the show, um, I, I'm looking really forward to that show, by the way, because Finn, Finn was, I, as we covered, like that was, I like, I like seeing that. I like seeing sort of long-form comedy, especially sketch comedy, because it does kind of harken back to things like, like Monty Python and also like I, a movie I really like, which is probably not a widely disseminated opinion, is Brain Candy. So, yeah. Yeah, want to check that out. Another thing that's going to be going on from the another thing uh, that's going to be going on from the first to the fourth is uh, Growing Room, which is a feminist literary festival, uh, and we have uh, uh, quite a few of our correspondents uh, very interested in that, very interested in attending that, and uh, uh, I just we just got to say check that out because it's um, it's certainly got some, they've got some interesting actually the thing that I was found very interesting is the artwork for the festival, which is uh, Ocean Blooming by I'm going to screw up this pronunciation, Apanaki Temeteo, M? Uh, yes, that, yes. Well, well, whoever you are, if you're listening, I really dig your poster. Okay, um, that will be the show for the day at almost exactly 60 minutes. Uh, I'm Jake Clark, uh, and cheers, folks. So today with us is MLA Stephanie She's a literal MLA for Surrey South and the opposition critic for advanced education serving in the VC Legislative Assembly. Awesome. So we're just going to start off here. So according to Uber's website, you were listed as saying yes to the question, uh, do you support, uh, do your... Do you support your party passing new rules to introduce ride-sharing to BC in 2017? Is this still true? Absolutely. Um, so why are you in support of introducing ride-sharing to BC? Well, 